Welcome to Body Signals, a Cygnos podcast. I'm your host, Bill Tanser, Chief Data Scientist here at Cygnos. This is Season 4, Episode 1. Wait, I can eat that and still lose weight? How to Become Your Own Glucose Detective, a super user episode with registered dietitian Alyssa Wilson. On this episode, Alyssa and I take a deep dive in how you can conduct your own carb tolerance test to determine what carbohydrates work best for your own metabolism. Specifically, we discuss Alyssa's top-down method of testing food combinations and carbohydrates, my own method for testing isolated carbs, the factors that affect carb tolerance, and adjusting your diet based on your own test results. We also have an added bonus on today's episode. Alyssa and I will be discussing the new metrics available in the Reports tab on Cygnos, average glucose, variability, fasting glucose, and time and range. This and many more insights. Now on to today's show. So we're back on Body Signals, and we're so happy to have Alyssa Wilson. She is our Cygnos metabolic coach. She's a registered dietitian extraordinaire, and she's here to talk about our next tip episode of how you can become a Cygnos super user, and that's all about the carb tolerance test. Before we get there, we did an episode back in season two, episode six. I urge you to listen to it. It was Rob Wolf's interview. Rob wrote the book Wired to Eat, and in his book, he's got this great appendix in that book that gives you a carb test. So I urge you to listen to that episode, read Rob's book. But if you want to get started right away, we asked Alyssa to be here and talk us through how to do your own carb tolerance test. So Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be back. We're <laughs> excited to have you. So carb tolerance test. First of all, what, what is a carb tolerance test? Yeah, so that's a great question. And this is probably one of the most popular questions we get when people join Cygnos. They put the CGM on. They're like, okay, how do I incorporate carbs? Do I need to cut them out? Um, what? How many do I tolerate? How many can I have? Um, and so this is um, using a carb tolerance test. You get to see what works specifically for you. Um, you get to see, you know, when we've looked at the data in the CGMs, everybody's going to have a different response to the same foods. So what works for you may not work for me. And um, we know this, like even with the oatmeal, I know you love yes. the oatmeal, but that and for me just, you know, may not be the best choice. This is so important because I've noticed when new members come on, just looking at our Facebook group. A lot of people will just, they'll be going like into an extreme. They'll say, I'm just going to cut out all carbs. And yes, you can lower your glucose by doing that, but you're missing the real advantage of being a Cygnos super user. And that is like you just mentioned, everyone's different. There's a way to modify your diet, find the carbs that don't impact your glucose that much. And if you can figure that out, then you don't have a diet that's probably not sustainable on your hands. You've got small lifestyle changes you can make that you can do forever. And that's that, I think, is like the real importance of doing a test like this. 
Exactly. Um, you know, we don't want people to just eliminate all carbs. That is not the goal. We want to see what works for you. You know, in general, the glycemic index, you know, that's a number given the foods that estimate, you know, the responses to glucose of like what is expected. But as we've seen, when you wear the CGM, two of us are eating the same food and have completely different responses. So this carb tolerance test allows you to see what works for you and allows you to, you know, not have a very restrictive diet to where, you know, you eliminate all carbs. You know, we want to see what works for you. Um, and you can do that using the CGM. Yeah. You know, a demonstration of that, I know I've mentioned this study in the past, but the, the study that was published in Cell in 2015 from the Weizmann Institute it was amazing some of the results when they put CGMs, I believe it was on 800 individuals and tested all these different food items. I remember one thing that was pointed out in the study, there was an individual that spiked more on uh, white bread than they did from just uh, the, the glucola, the stuff that you use in the glucose tolerance test. That's pure sugar. And yet somehow, yeah. uh, and the assertion in that paper, it was based, uh, it's based on microbiome and the difference in all of our microbiomes is why you see that uh, different tolerance from individual to individual. But that really highlights um, how extreme and, and unusual, interesting these differences uh, that we all have and why it's important to do this test. Exactly. And we'll get into the test and like kind of how you can experiment with it. But, you know, it all comes down to us being, you know, individuals and it depends on, you know, genetics, age, your microbiome, your stress, um, your body composition, how much muscle you have, your sleep, you know, nutrition, insulin sensitivity, all these things factor into how we tolerate carbs. And those can actually change over time as well. So, you know, if you try this carb tolerance test and just to see um, how you respond, you could even try it again later down the line and see, you know, do I have improvements? Um, you know, do I have a better tolerance of this carb now that I've been, you know, focusing on sleep, you know, healing my gut, you know, strength training, adding more muscle, you know, how uh, there's a lot of things that we can work on um, to see like how we tolerate specific carbs and what works best for us. Yeah. And there's so many lovers, like you just mentioned, all those different things, but yes. let's start with the carbs. So there are so many carbs I want to eat. If I were a new user and let's say, unless you're doing a consult with me and I want to find out more about carb tolerance tests, where do I even start? Okay. So there are a lot of things that we could do. Um, when we think about, you know, Rob Wolf's test, um, he's basically having, you know, 50 grams of this carb first thing in the morning, you know, first thing in the morning where there's um, less variability, you know, you haven't had maybe a stressful day or walked around and um, you're, you're coming from an overnight fast um, and then testing, you know, with the finger stick two hours later and seeing where you are. Um, now, we want to take this and use this in a real life aspect and like a real life situation. Okay. We're not going to wake up and say, all right, I'm going to have like a big bowl of rice, but let's see what we can tolerate in our everyday lives, things that are realistic that we would be eating. So for example, let's say you have, um, eggs and avocado in the morning, and then you want to sample like, or you want to experiment with which carb to add. So maybe it's a piece of um, a whole grain bread, or maybe it's um, some sweet potato or a piece of fruit. Um, have that and then log it in the Cygnos app so we know um, what you're eating, the serving size, 
and you will see your response over the next few hours. And you can see how high you spike. Ideally, we would we don't want to spike um, very high. Like we want that to be you know less than thirty points or so, and we want that to come down um, you know within two hours. And uh, so we're trying to avoid those spikes that are really high and that like take a very long time to come back down. So let's say you start off with, um, you know, or oatmeal too. You could say, let's say we start off with half a cup of oatmeal and then um, you see how you react or you respond a few hours later, you see your glucose response. And let's say I spiked 50 points. Okay. That may be too much. Um, you know, we want to help mitigate mitigate those spikes. And we especially don't want to start our morning off with a larger spike because that can set us up for being on that roller coaster later in the day. So what you can do is take that half a cup. And we're not saying, okay, you can't ever have oatmeal again. That is not what we're saying at all. We're saying, okay, let's, let's cut that portion size in half. Let's do a fourth a cup with your same meal, your same breakfast, and then let's see how you respond. You may be able to, maybe you bump up 20 points or so and it comes back down and you know it's just like those smooth rounder rolling hills and you're good to go. Or maybe it is still a larger spike. Then we can start incorporating some other things too. So that could be working out in the morning or going for a walk afterwards or like even having um, you know, more veggies, try and incorporate some veggies and, you know, before that meal. Um, so there's things that we can do to kind of play around with to see like how you can incorpor- incorporate that food, you know, into your, into your meal. I love this. It's very interesting because you have a different approach than I do, but I love your approach for its own reason. <laughs> I'm much more of a bottoms up in terms of analysis. You're more tops down. So I, uh, when I do the carb tolerance test for myself, I isolate it to a single carb and then try all sorts of variations of that. Okay, that is much more time-consuming, takes, takes a lot more experimentation. I like your method, too, which is, okay, you're starting right away with the avocado and the eggs and then adding a carb. So we're actually, we're testing a couple of things in your scenario. We're testing food combination and also the carb itself. There might actually be some interesting data there because maybe there's interplay between the specific carb and the different things you're combining the food with. I think yeah. there's validity to both approaches. I think it depends on your personality. So, you know, I'll walk you through the same example. So taking bread, I, when I started on Cygnos, I didn't want to give up bread. So I immediately went to whole wheat bread, not realizing that a lot of bakers add sugar to whole wheat yeah. bread to help it rise. Yeah, That's yep. a big pitfall, by the way. There's a, there's a tip for you. When you're buying whole wheat bread, just look at the ingredient list and see if there's added sugar. Um, Yes. But I I did some research. And once I made that first mistake, then I tried sprouted breads like the Ezekiel bread. I tried Dave's bread, the thin Dave's bread, and then just tested that individual thing. And then I started to add foods to it slowly to see if that would change anything. Um, I think your approach is much quicker that you could, you know, just eat your meal that you normally eat and change the carb around. You're going to get to a result quicker and you could cut out the step of then having to go to food combination after testing the individual carb. Yeah, I think, you know, either way works. It kind of depends on, you know, the the person and what they prefer. So like, let's say, all right, we do a sandwich, a breakfast sandwich. We have Ezekiel bread in the morning. You have eggs, avocado, maybe there's some cheese on there and, you know, have a sandwich and then you have a large spike. Okay. Then maybe you can try one piece of bread 
cutting an open face sandwich, you know, and then seeing if that works. Um, but it gives you a little bit more, um, you know, just it, it puts it into a more of a realistic way that you're living your life, you know, instead of just like having that, you know, piece of bread on its own. Or if we are having oatmeal, you know, we always talk about pairing and balancing our meals, making sure we have protein, making sure we have healthy fats, um, and then, you know, real food carbs like oats, you know, pairing that and balancing your meals. So, you know, you don't have to have oatmeal just on its own. You may see a larger spike with that regardless. So just starting off with a balanced meal and then, and then kind of tweaking it. And you can even experiment with having that breakfast at dinner time, you know, and see like that separate time, like a different time of day and see how you respond. Um, you know, we, you may see a, a, a different response having breakfast for dinner, you know, in that timing of day. So there's a lot of areas that you can kind of experiment with. I just kind of like the idea of, okay, let's see of something that like you would actually eat and then um, go from there. Yes. So this is really all about being your own glucose detective. And you can cut straight to the chase if you're like Alyssa, or if you want to just pound the pavement and get every detail down and you're really OCD when it comes to these things, you could try my method and start with the carb and add or, you know, Alyssa's method, start with the whole meal and then make changes. I think both are valid approaches. I also wanted to highlight something you said at the very beginning, which I think is so important. And is that, that is at least start your tests with first thing in the morning because you can eliminate a lot of variables. I would also encourage everyone that's doing these tests to tag in, uh, in Cygnos things like sleep, if you had good sleep or bad sleep, and also stress level, because we've found those, those levers can change the way you respond to glucose too. So if I've had a really bad night's sleep, I do this test, I don't want to confuse the results it might be due to my poor sleep that I spiked and not so much uh, the carb itself I'm testing. And then when you're doing your analysis, again, being the glucose detective, ask yourself, okay, when I tried this carb in these different ways, was my sleep level similar? Was my stress level similar? If not, then perhaps redo the test. Exactly. And doing it first thing in the morning, it gives you a way to incorporate more vegetables too. If you wanted to experiment with like a dinner for breakfast, you know, seeing like, okay, how do I incorporate um, these potatoes or, um, you know, just rice uh, or any type of grain or starchy vegetable? How do I, how do I respond to these carbs first thing in the morning versus at night? You know, I've been kind of playing around with this myself and, you know, I've come to find that, okay, there are certain types of pasta, like the red lentil pasta that like that actually works really well for me. Whereas like certain types of even different types of sweet potatoes, I have huge spikes too, but maybe I can tolerate it earlier in the morning, um, especially if I'm moving around during the day, um, you know, have a workout beforehand or have a smaller serving size in the morning. Um, you know, maybe I can tolerate a larger serving size in the morning versus a smaller one in the afternoon. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just gives you the having the CGM gives you the freedom and the flexibility to see like, okay, what will work? Because you are seeing your glucose readings come in every five minutes versus having to, um, you know, stick your finger an hour afterwards, two hours afterwards, three hours afterwards. Um, and just like seeing how you respond. So you can actually follow the entire spike. Um, or maybe just, it's not a spike and it's just an increase in glucose and it's like just a natural, um, you know, our natural digestion and absorption of carbs. And you're seeing that trend too. Yes. And absolutely have some fun with this. 
You yes. may not realize, realize it at the time, but when you go down this path of being your own glucose detective, you are also getting mindful about what you're eating. You're starting to ask questions and getting curious and seeing how these different foods affect your glucose. And that can only lead to positive benefit to, to uncover that information. There, there's something else that Rob suggests that if you're really serious about doing these tests, one thing that he does in his is he gets to the effective carb amount. So let's say I want to test two different wheat breads that don't have added sugar. One thing I'll do is I'll look at the label on the back of each and see how many carbs there are per serving and then do a little math to try and get the exact same amount of carbs in each of those servings so that I'm comparing apples to apples. That's a, a little benefit to what Rob's put together in his book is he's figured that out for a lot of different carbs. So you can look up and he'll tell you how much to weigh out to get the same amount of effective carbs across everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like this much white rice. Okay. This much banana, this many grapes. This is how you measure it out. I think, you know, I think it's like a, it's almost a combination. There's Rob Wolf's test, which is like a great test. And then there's your idea, which is like kind of like the middle path between Rob's test and my test. And then, you know, it just kind of depends where you are, but I honestly would even recommend trying all of them out, you know, seeing, okay, this is how I respond. Okay. Um, from Rob's test, this is, you know, 50 grams of this carb, you know, that's what I'm eating on its own. This is where my glucose is two hours afterwards. Then you can kind of start, all right, maybe we're playing with the serving size and then doing what you're doing, like incorporating, all right, let's add some protein, some vegetables, some healthy fats. Let's, let's manipulate some other factors of the meal. Or you, you can just go straight to, if you're on the other side of the section and you can say like, all right, let's just see, um, realistically in your life, like what would you be eating at your meals? And let's start there. So there's just so many, I mean, you can even do all three and experiment with all three of those. Yes. Just do one at a time. Don't try and test them all at once because then you're just going to have noise and you won't know what worked. So that is do, so true. Yeah, do one, te one test per morning. I know we all want to jump there. I want to test everything. Um, I know. I yeah, know. but then yeah. you're just going to have a, a hot, probably a high glucose reading, and uh, you won't be able to tell what's what. So one thing per day to test. And one thing per day, for sure. And then definitely logging, you know? So if you're logging an app, then you can go back and you can look at your reports. You can see your responses. Um, you can say, like, okay, what, what did I do again two days ago? I have this data here. Let's see how I can maybe manipulate this um, and see if – again, like moving afterwards, um, can help. Or like, what if I just even tried the same meal, but I had a really bad night's sleep the night before or high or high stress levels today. Let's see how that affects my meal. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of, it's a lot of fun, like playing around and, and seeing what works for you. But the main thing is that, you know, it, it's not one size fits all. So what works for you is not going to be like, what is best for me. And that's the beauty of the CGM is seeing, you know, what works for you so you don't have to eliminate carbs or you can't ever have a piece of fruit again. You know, that's, that's not the goal here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think fruit is the second thing I really wanted to test because I love fruit, fresh fruit yeah. and yeah. it's all going to be different. And boy, I had some amazing findings that, what you know, you I, I think for me, so again, going down the rabbit hole, of how much I can test something, uh, two things pop. One is apples. 
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm known within Cygnos for that one experiment where I think I tried 28 different varietals of apples. And the delta, the difference between apple varieties was amazing. And what I found personally for my own response was that the heirloom apples I got at the farmer's market spiked me the least. And the latest apples that are just hitting the shelves, like the Cosmic Crisp, uh, which has been engineered to be very, very sweet, of course, spiked me the most. But I, I didn't realize the difference. I had virtually no spike from the Arkansas Black Heirloom Apple and like plus 30 or 40 milligrams per deciliter spike on the Cosmic Crisp and everything in between those varietals. The second thing I love, and I just saw one of our uh, our users was posting an Instagram story about this, is the difference in, in banana ripeness. Yeah, going from green banana to you know your perfectly ripe to overripe banana. That's a great test to do each morning. Just have one have start with like a slightly green banana, then go to the perfectly ripe one, and then overripe one, and see how different it is. Yes. I think, Yes. It was like a it was like a, a thirty milligram per deciliter difference um, going from slightly um, underripe to overripe. Yeah, I believe that. Wow. And then again, I, even serving sizes, like you know, some people, you know, myself included, it's like okay, half a banana is is my sweet spot, you know, versus. Yeah. The full banana. So, and I just want to say, we don't want you to stop eating fruit because fruit has a lot of great nutrients. It's got fiber. Um, we, I think, it's much better to have fruit than it would be to have some candy if you want to satisfy uh, a sweet craving, right? Right, right. Excellent. I so, agree. let's move real quick. I just want to mention with the latest update at Cygnos, we have got some really cool metrics and reports. So on these tips episodes, I'm going to be sharing more of of some of the tips and tricks of using the app. And what I want to talk briefly with Alyssa about are these new metrics that we have in reports. So if you open up your app, you click on reports, you'll find that in addition to tracking your weight over time, we now have your average glucose. We've got your variability, your fasting glucose estimate, and time and range. So let's talk a little bit about some of these metrics. Do you want to take uh, average glucose first, Alyssa? Yeah. So first of all, this update in the app is so cool. We're being we're able to see, okay, not just like the foods that spiked us the most or the least over the past week or our weight changes, but we're really getting like the, a deeper dive into our glucose. So the average glucose um, is the value of the last 30 days of your glucose readings. And, um, you know, it can go up and down depending on a variety of factors, you know, what you ate, um, your hydration status, like we talked about how you slept, your stress, um, your movement. But so it's just really important to watch this overall trend of your glucose. So you'll get that average glucose reading of, you know, again, the last 30 days. Great. Great. So that's average glucose. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about very variability. We have that metric, which uh, we call GRV. It's a coefficient of variability. Get a little mathy at this point. So we take a look at the mean and then the standard deviation around that mean, uh, which really in, in English means we're measuring how much your glucose is moving around the average. And you want to, as best you can, to minimize some of that movement. So we're recommending 15% or below. And with all of these reports, you can trend over time. So you can see 
how your average glucose is going and how your variability. But if you do want to lose weight, a recommendation is 15% uh, or below in your variability. And uh, the way that you can affect that, uh, that variability number is just by trying to keep those spikes down. I found personally by eliminating some snacking in between meals, I could really affect uh, the variation in my uh, my glucose. So that was another uh, tip. Or uh, time-restricted eating also uh, helped me to reduce some of my uh, my variability. And one thing I will notice, like even with myself, um, especially when I first put the CGM on, what I was doing was like having my dinner and then like later having like a dessert or like, you know, a bedtime snack or something like that, where like, you know, having that carb on its own, I was spiking. And so I'd see, you know, higher variability, especially overnight. Um, So whether that's like a time restricted eating where you're putting that, you know, that dessert at the end of your meal. Um, you know, or not having that carb alone, that could really help. What a great tip. You just threw in a free one there. Uh, <laughs> Listen, know, I, I have personal experience with these bedtime sweets and yes. I glucose and, that, you know, I've seen lots of, uh, you know, spikes and drops throughout the middle of the night, depending on that. And I can really help stabilize my glucose. Um, you know, when I really stop eating, even like a few hours before bed, push my dessert at the end of dinner versus like on its own later. Uh, you know, before I joined Cygnos, that's what I would do. I'd have dinner, and then maybe an hour later, I would have dessert. Yes. But then, I think it was around when we were researching food combinations. Like, why do I do that? I should just eat it at the same, you know, right after I finish my meal, because then it's not a naked carb. But if it's an hour later, it is more of a naked carb, and will cause a spike. Will increase your your um, glucose variability or that um, that metric that we're reporting now in reports. So. Eat them all together. No naked carbs. Eliminate snacking. Some time restricted eating. Those are all levers that you can play with to try and reduce yes. that number. Yes. And then uh, fasting glucose, another new metric that we're providing members now. Yeah. So the fasting glucose is um, we're actually pulling in like an average. And if you're logging in your sleep, uh, it, you know. If that sleep is pulling in through Apple Health or you're logging your sleep in the app, we're taking the reading in the morning, so at the end of your sleep period. And so you'll see um, that average number, that, that, you know, that fasting number first thing in the morning upon waking. Um, I do want to say a few things because I do get some questions about um, our fasting glucose. And I can even attest this from this weekend when, you know, I went out for sushi, had desserts and like, you know, had really big spikes and drops during the night. My fasting glucose the next morning was higher. And, you know, again, like you've mentioned, we're looking at the trends overall. You know, we're not basing or diagnosing or anything off of one number. Um, So I've noticed with poor sleep or a high um, you know, a, a more processed meal or a higher carb meal at night or eating later that I may, or again, that poor sleep too, or interrupted sleep. Um, I can see a higher fasting glucose reading. And again, I'm looking at big picture. Um, where is it trending? Like ideally we want that, um, to be trending down. We want that number less than a hundred, but it, uh, this weekend I woke up with, you know, a higher fasting number that was greater than a hundred. Um, and then looking at what I had for dinner, my sleep, the dessert, the, the naked carb, the dessert on its own later, you know, so that's always going to, going to affect those numbers. So we again, we really want to look at an average of that and see the trend. Yes. And log, log, log. The yeah, more yeah. you log in Cygnos, the more benefits you're going to get back. If you want to get that trending of your, um, 
your fasting glucose, make sure that you either have uh, those permissions set in Apple Health Kit to read off of if you're wearing an Apple Watch at night uh, or if you've got some other sleep tracking tool that you're using. Definitely make sure it's enabled or even manually log when your sleep is so that we can then give you that data because watching those trends is just really valuable. And it's easier, too, if you log your sleep and you see, you know, the the line of your sleep, you can easily go back and like look through your data and see, okay, this is exactly when I slept. This is how my glucose was. And I can notice the difference between, you know, poor sleep and my glucose data then versus like a really good night's sleep, um, you know, and really stable glucose overnight. But logging it makes it so much easier to see it for yourself in the app. Absolutely. And then the final metric we're reporting is time and range. So on your Cygnos graph, I think all of our our members are familiar with that little shaded area where we want you to stay at or below. Now you can trend that over time to see how you've done uh, three months, even six months trends of that data. And our recommendation if you're trying to lose weight is to try and stay with at least 85% of time and range. So now you can actually look at that data too. So all these things combined, as well as doing these experiments and carb tolerance tests, give you a lot of things to do. I know I'm really excited. I want to get off this podcast episode right now and go test a carb. I know. Which one are you going to test? I, you know, I think the next one, you, you kind of piqued my interest with the lentil pasta. So... I think I might give that a try. Try it. That one, I mean, I could eat a big bowl of pasta and that does, you know, my glucose is still stable, you know, after that. So it's so interesting to see like how you, how we each have such unique responses. Um, And using the CGM is just such a great tool to see like, you know, continuous readings and how you're responding to each carb and your meals. Alyssa, so great having you on Body Signals again. We always learn so much when you're on the show. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. So glad to be here. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Body Signals. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to our feed. Also, please share this episode with your friends. For those of you who are not yet Cygnos members, go to Cygnos.com, S-I-G-N-O-S.com, and use the code BODYSIGNALS all one word, to get your 15% discount on Cygnos. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode of Body Signals.